are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. I love you guys. Man, that testimony was like perfect. Like couldn't have set, set this up better. So let's pray really quick. All is for your glory. All is for your name. All is for your glory. That in all things you would have the first place. That in all things you would have preeminence. So put us anywhere. Just put your glory in me. God, I'll serve anywhere. Just let me see your beauty. Cause all is for your glory. All is for your name. All is for your glory. That in all things you would have the first place. That in all things you would have preeminence. Amen. So I felt like God told me for today, I want you to talk about the consequences of worship. Now before we even dive in, I feel that it's important to say he is worthy. And if there was never even one ramification of our worship, giving our lives as a living sacrifice is still the best purpose I could ever conceive worth living for. Gathering to praise him because of what he's done and who he is is more than enough reason to praise him with all of our passion. But I kept feeling him almost with this holy taunting say, talk about the consequences, talk about the consequences, talk about the consequences. So the definition of consequence, it's a noun, and it's a result or effect of an action or a condition. Synonyms that really stood out to me, repercussion, reverberation. Reverberation is defined as a prolongation of a sound, a resonance, a continuing effect. And my understanding with sound waves is um, that they're vibrations. And even once the waves are small enough to the point that we don't hear them anymore with our physical ear, the vibrations and the energy of the waves still carry about movement. So what happened this morning, even though we can't hear it anymore, is still carrying about movement all across our land. Another definition is importance or relevance. It even speaks to uh, social distinction, like a woman of consequence. Synonyms for this are fame, distinction, eminence, preeminence, prominence, reputation. So I love the very thought that we worship, we gather, and the consequence of that is just to make his name famous. Um, I spoke back at Sandy Creek. Let's see, that was like two buildings ago. Um, And when I spoke, he told me, don't worry so much about the words that you say as long as you believe when you are speaking that with every word you are laying a piece of the foundation for the greatest wave of worship the world has ever known. Belief is a big deal. So this has morphed into like a vision for our worship team. It's even morphed into a vision for Bethel Atlanta worship as a whole that every time that we gather to worship, we are laying the foundation for the greatest wave of worship the world has ever known. And really broken down, what this means to me is that we're creating a place, we're breaking ground, we're laying a foundation that is saying, on earth as it is in heaven, hear God. Come have your way, hear God. Dwell in our praises, hear God. Move how you want to, hear God. And the greatest wave of worship won't be about great music, but there will be great music. There are incredible songs coming out of our house. Two that we sang this morning were originals, and I'm just so excited about the songs that are um, just uh, happening in our praises. And you guys, your sound, what's happening in these times, like the in-between moments of the songs that we know when we're just pressing in, you are adding to the sound of the songs that are coming out of this house and will be heard and sung all over the world. So... But it won't be, that won't be the core focus. It's going to be about a great outpouring of his presence. 
That's the wave of worship, the great outpouring of his presence. So I don't want to spend a long time on this because I do feel like God wants me to talk more about the season that we are in now and where he's taking us in worship. But I feel it's important to kind of just share like some stuff that's in our foundation, like what are in the stones, um, kind of like what are some of the we believe statements as a family about worship. So we are radical worshipers, and we believe he is great and greatly to be praised. He's worthy of all of my passion. And um, kind of some lines I've just had stirring in my heart. Um, every time I go into worship on Sunday, I just kind of pray this prayer. God, let the passion of my praise match the passion of your sacrifice. God, let the passion of my praise match the passion of the message of the gospel. I will be even more undignified than this. 2 Samuel 6.22, this was modeled by King David and God said, he is after my heart. Every time we worship, there is an opportunity and a possibility for breakthrough. Things happen in our corporate worship that don't happen in our alone time with God. Both are valuable, both are good, both are total, totally necessary. Um, but we recognize and we place a value on gathering here corporately as a family because we know when we gather as a family and experience his presence together, there are things that are available for us and people that are around us and what they're carrying, the breakthroughs, the places that they've gone with God that we get to benefit from. Blake says it like this. He says, we all get to add something to the pot and then we all get to benefit from what everyone throws in. He also said that a revelation can be received in a message, but where he says things stick or where he sees things move from revelation to belief is in our corporate times of worship. We believe here at Beth Atlanta that everyone is a worship leader. Um, I was going to mention the story about uh, God telling Steve, you're a worship leader at our old church. Go up front and lead worship. It was not like this on Sunday morning. So when God said, Steve, you're a worship leader, go up front. It was a sacrifice because it was Steve right here up front leading worship. Everyone else was in the seats. And he said, lead worship. And by the last day that we were there, by the time that they were sent and blessed to come and start Bethel Atlanta, it looked like this. That's where we went from. That was our ceiling of where our church started. You are somebody else's point. Your example can lead someone to greater access of his presence. We believe at Bethel Atlanta, this is in our foundation, everyone can sing a new song. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says that we have the mind of Christ. Christ's mind is creative. Because we come from the creator, we are meant to be the most creative people on the planet. When we believe we can sing a new song, we can sing in a new day. And as I mentioned, I really do believe as you sing out a new song into the atmosphere here, it becomes a part of the songs of this house. And these are the songs that will be heard and sung all over the world. At Bethel Atlanta, we are a people who come full and ready to worship from the first note. No matter if you're in the front of the room or the back of the room, we worship with the same intent and passion. This flows out of a lifestyle of worship. We don't come to the space of worship to be, to be filled, although wherever there is lack, you will be filled because there is fullness in his presence and he inhabits our praises. But rather, we come from a lifestyle of Monday through Saturday. I am full and I come to bring something to this family on Sunday. And we believe worship is a lifestyle. We believe our work is worship. And it's our honor to get to come ready from that first note, ready to be full and to give because this is the space that we give to God. The rest of the service, we're so blessed. We're getting filled. We're getting, uh, you know, just the time that people are spent. We're getting their lives broken off and given to us. But that is the space that we know we come, we get to give to God. We get to give everything out of our fullness. At Bethel Atlanta, we believe that every voice matters. It matters because the fact is it sounds different when you're in the room and it sounds different when you're not in the room. Every voice matters. And it also matters because the people who passionately bring their voice to the sound are made up of individuals who believe their voice matters. And individuals who believe that their voices matter have grabbed onto the bigger truth that their value and their story comes from who he is and who he says we are. And people who are grounded in their identity, who are grounded in this truth, will release the sound of truth that will change the world. Um, Martin Luther King Jr., he grew up in our city, right there. And if you take a tour of his home, his home is still there. Um, Josh, Josh did this and told me about it. When you get to the kitchen, they'll tell you the story about MLK Jr.'s dad and how he would gather the whole family every night. They'd sit down for dinner, and he'd bring up a relevant event that was, like, going on in the world. And then he'd go around and ask for everybody's thoughts around the table. Every voice would speak up to what their thoughts were about what was going on in the world. 
And Martin Luther King Jr. didn't become a world changer and then said, oh, my voice matters. I believe it. He grew up in a family with a dad who called out his voice and said, what are your thoughts? He believed his voice mattered, and he went out and changed the world. Every voice matters. We become like what we behold, so it's our benefit when we worship that we see things more like he does. We're told to daily renew our mind, being transformed into his image. We are releasing a sound of truth over ourselves, those around us, and our city when we corporately worship. Um, did you know that music is one of the few things that activates every part of your brain? So um, I have to believe that when we're singing truth, it's changing things physically. It's changing things emotionally. It's changing things spiritually in every part of our body. And not only are you singing over yourself, the benefit of this corporate worship is I was standing there singing today and I'm hearing Dara sing over me. The whole earth is filled. So I'm like singing it over myself. It is truth. It is truth. It's transforming from my mind to my heart when we're singing this truth. And I'm hearing the other voices. They're singing over me. The whole earth is filled, filled with his glory. It's important. Your voice matters. Come and add your voice and believe that when we are singing, when we are lifting up this song, it is changing things around us. So even in Ephesians 5.19, we're instructed to address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. I really think he means this literally, like address each other with songs, singing. I think singing means singing. So I think he really meant music and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So these things just feel so foundational to this house. I see people who show up believing things, these things every week, and I'm so excited as people are added to our family. I feel like this foundation is strong, and the things that are in the foundation are going to get caught. They won't even have to be taught. People will come in here, and it's just going to get caught, and they're going to believe and start to worship in such a way. Um, so... At the Panama City Beach Retreat this year um, for the School of Ministry, if you don't know about the School of Ministry, BethelAtlantaSchool.com, check it out, you're welcome, it's wonderful. Um, we went to the, they do a retreat at the beginning of the year, it's amazing, and we were there, and um, before Steve spoke, he kind of just had the room, like the, the worship was done, the musicians got down, and he just had the room re-engage with his presence and start singing out a new song. We believe everyone can sing a new song. And so we were just engaging with the presence of God, and all of a sudden I started hearing, da 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 I heard the melody, da 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 And so then I just started kind of adding words to it, and all of a sudden I was singing, the waters are rising, the waters are rising with our praise, the waters are rising, which is kind of cool to be singing and you're thinking about the ocean that's like right there next to you. But so I'm thinking about it. The waters are rising. The waters are rising with our praise. The waters are rising. And then kind of when the room hit the climax, like people were just going for it. And it was at the loudest point I hear. And your presence will crash like a mighty, mighty wave that no one can stand under. Your glory will crash like a mighty, mighty wave that no one can stand under. So I ran outside really quick when Steve started speaking. I recorded it in a voice memo, and I felt like when I came back in, God said, the foundation has been laid. It is strong, but seasons are changing. It's a new day, so sing a new song. And so kind of even before we, we sung that song here, and before we even sang it on a Sunday, I just was like faithfully changing the boys' diapers, doing the dishes. The waters are rising. The waters are rising with our praise. The waters are rising. And then what comes next is the crashing of the wave. And I feel like God said in this season, we are in the season now, I feel like, where the waters are rising. And I felt like he said, I want you as a body to worship with the consequences in mind. And we're not worshiping in such a way to move God. We're not worshiping in such a way to make things happen. But I feel like it's time and it's a season that we're in to worship with the consequences in mind. And what I mean by this is just to have an awareness, to show up and be believing believers that when we gather to worship, when we live this lifestyle of worship, we stand on the fact that anything is possible. Atmospheres are changing all around us. We believe he inhabits the praises of his people. If we believe that, really believe that, every Sunday, God, the living God, inhabits the praises of his people. And when he shows up, everything can change in a moment. And everything has to submit to the laws and the way of the kingdom. I think we would sing a little different. We're already there. We're in such a good spot. But I just feel like he's saying, in this season, we still, um, we still worship in the same way. We still just exalt his name, but worship with the consequences in mind. 
We're seated in heavenly places. I want, um, as we even are in times of corporate worship, I just want you to imagine your spirit sitting next to God and releasing truth. I want you to imagine yourself partnering with him. If he's saying something in worship, say it. If he's doing something in worship, do it. Um, You know, it could be those moments, it could be during a song and you're like picking up on lyrics and a lyric is really standing out. Say it again, release it into the room. If it's those moments in between where we're pressing in and we're like, God, what are you doing? And you start hearing something. I see healing over the land. I see the land is full of his glory. Sing it out. There's healing in this land. There's healing in this land. If you want a baby here, you will have a baby here. Whatever it is, whatever he's saying, just partner with heaven. Do you believe our worship can change a city? So Jehoshaphat, I got to remember to drink water. I told everyone at Bethel Equip this, that I'd done messages before and I forget to drink water. And by the end, my lips are stuck like this <laughs> to my gums. It's easy to not forget to drink water when you're singing because there's like music breaks. You're like the song, somebody else's turn. I got to remember. Okay. Okay. So Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles 2020. They rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, O Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Put your trust in his prophets and succeed. When he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in his holy attire. As they went out before the army and said, give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting. When they began singing and praising, when they began singing and praising, when they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come up against Judah, so they were rooted. For the sons of Ammon and Moab rose up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, destroying them completely. And when they had finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. And when Judah um, came to the lookout of the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and behold, they were corpses lying on the ground, and no one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found much among them, including goods, garments, and valuable things which they took for themselves, more than they could carry. And they were three days taking the spoil because there was so much. When they began singing and praising, when they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes. Joshua in the battle of Jericho, they were told to walk around the city once each day for six days. And the priests were carrying the ark and they were blowing the trumpets. And on the seventh day, when they made a loud shout, the walls fell down. That's what it says. When they lifted a loud shout, the walls fell down. So these may seem illogical. These may seem like stories so far of old. We're like, yeah, that's a cool story. Um, And they may seem improbable, but it happened. It's real history. It changed history. It changed a nation. It changed lives in a day. And if that's what we're believing for, changing cities, nations in a day, it can happen. It's happened. Um, Jessica Healy said that she has seen tornadoes, like in the spirit, spinning up out of the ground and shaking dust off of things whenever we sing the word hallelujah in our worship. My soul, praise him, Yah, Yahweh. My soul, praise God. She starts seeing things being spinned up out of the ground, dust falling off of things. Our worship is changing our city. Worship with the consequences in mind. Believe, believe. So again, we'll always sing about him, to him, exalting him. We will always be changed by his presence. We will be renewed in his presence. But I feel like it's a season to sing what he is singing, release the things on to the earth that's already happening in heaven with our mouths. We've been told here there are miracles in our mouth. Michael Maiden said that. And um, Dara sang this prophetic song a couple years ago, but I just keep hearing it as I'm walking around every day. Um, Use your voice like a sword. You remember that one, Breakthrough? Use your voice like a sword. Come on and break through. Use your voice like a sword. Come on and break through. It's the season. Use your voice like a sword. Okay, so in the rising waters, here's what I feel rising with it. I feel hope rising for the lost in the rising of the waters. I feel renewed hope for those that we, fa- we may feel are too far gone. I feel hope for the darkest parts of our city rising in the rising waters. I feel, I feel hope for those needing an upgrade in their belief about his nature. And I think there's going to be a reward for the believing believers, for those that are believing and seeing this coming. I believe we are in revival and we are going to see a harvest that is coming. 
And when the wave crashes, like everyone gets the benefit. Like if you're there, you're gonna get wet. Everyone gets the benefit. But I think there's gonna be a special joy, a special blessing for those that partnered and believe. They use their voice, they lifted it up. They say, God, this is what I see you doing in our city and in our times of worship. So use your voice, use your voice. I feel a passion for the message of the gospel rising in the rising waters. I feel like in this season as we worship, there is grace settling on our land and our city for reconciliation and unity. Could the consequences of our worship be that we are releasing a grace for reconciliation and unity in our city? I feel like God's gonna drop supernatural keys and strategies and declarations for reconciliation and unity as we worship as a body. And if Jesus sent worshipers before the armies and the armies destroyed themselves, I have to believe in worship. A natural sound can be released that causes a supernatural spiritual release in our land. And I just see over our city healing, forgiveness, and justice flowing like rivers. Healing, forgiveness, and justice flowing like rivers. I think reconciliation and unity is going to be a tipping point for this harvest that we see coming, for that crashing of the wave. Um, John 17, 21 through 23 says that they may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Unity will be a key to this harvest, the crashing of the wave. I think the world will look, they'll turn their eye if they see a city walking as one. I think the world, I think like the news, I think presidents, I think everyone will look and turn their eye when they see a city, a people walking as one. And I feel like God's been talking to me um, for a while about this, every voice matters. But recently he told me singing together is already something where you can practice this unity practically. And at the same time, it's radically shifting things supernaturally. So again, lift your voice, add your voice. I think it's so, so important. It's something that we can do practically unified. I was just thinking about it. I think the offering message is another thing we do in our service where we're like with one voice declaring one thing. But it's special in the times of worship. One accord, one sound, we're glorifying God. I believe that Bethel Atlanta can represent him well. We can model in our family what the family in heaven is supposed to look like. He keeps talking to me too about how we were all bought with his blood and we all became the same blood under one king. So Dara and I were talking about this once and Dara basically said, at the end of the day, this is a shell and it's beautiful and it takes every unique person on the planet to begin to tell of how vast and how creative God is. But what matters at the end of the day is that we all have the same blood running through our veins and we all belong to the same giver of this blood. Same blood under one king. Same blood under one king. So Michael Maiden, last time he was here, he released this word, I think it was in the school, right? That's where you sent it to me from, Zaina? Okay. And it was what he felt like God was doing in Atlanta. So I'm just gonna read this to you. He said, God has raised up Atlanta to be a world leader. Atlanta as a city and a region is in an elevated status worldwide. There are often hot spots in the kingdom. These regions will have unusual influence. There's just really no area that Atlanta doesn't have some sort of national or international influence. The city itself has this call. In America, I don't know of another city that is carrying as much weight in the kingdom as Atlanta right now. In the whole country, it's represented across and in a broad spectrum of churches, but surely Bethel will be right in the middle of that. There is the convergence of all kinds of wonderful things in the heart of God for Atlanta. When it comes to the importance of cultural things, I believe Atlanta is supposed to represent the healing of the races Atlanta can't do it without Jesus. A divided church cannot heal a divided nation. Only a united church can heal a divided nation. The things we want to change in culture can't change until they change in church. We have authority to speak to the culture. There is literally no problem more pressing to the heart of God than racial injustice. What an opportunity for us. We have to represent what we want to transform. Every voice matters. Add your sound, unite our voices. 
for his name, for his name. All is for your glory. All is for your name. All of it. Okay, so the coming of the waves crash. So this is the part. And your presence will crash like a mighty, mighty wave that no one can stand under. Your glory will crash like a mighty, mighty wave that no one can stand under. Acts 2.17, in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. We emphasize this a lot. All means all. All flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. I think he's about to move in such a way that if anyone's in the area, they won't be able to help but experience his presence at a new level. And this will be a radical shift in our lives, I think in our church and our society around us. God is kind and he's patient, but I think something is already here and is coming at such a level that we don't have much of a choice in, is kind of how I feel. <laughs> and if a tidal wave rises out of the ocean, the water isn't selective in what it sweeps up. And I feel like God's longing and his passionate love isn't going to be selective <laughs> in what he sweeps up. I feel like it's going to crash, and if you're standing near it, you will get wet. And even those who don't know of him, they will get wet. They will be influenced by his presence. And so I want to share a few dreams that have stood out to me in this season. And um, I feel like they're for this season, and I feel like they're speaking to where we're moving. The first dream my husband Josh had um, several years ago when he was in college, but he told it to me again recently, and I just haven't been able to shake it. And so I felt it was important to share. And um, don't you love how God's speaking to us in dreams here, like so much? I remember Justin saying in staff meeting several months back, like, I feel like we're really supposed to put a weight, like, in, on the dreams that he's, he's giving our house and really just steward them well. And, um, you know, the Bible gives us precedence that he talked through dreams all the time. Joseph was told in a dream that, um, you know, Mary, basically what she told him was true and she was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Um, and we see several people who influence kings and interpret dreams like Daniel. God gave warning to the three wise men on how to address their travels and dreams. So anyway, I just think it's so cool. And I think these are like rhema words of God in these dreams that are writing on these dreams. They're like now words. So Josh's dream, I'll just give you some context. From the time that he was in middle school to high school and college, he was part of a Baptist church in a small southern town, LaGrange, Georgia. And their worship ranged from, like, acoustic-style worship to, like, we sit in the room with the lights on, singing, Lord, I lift your name on high type of a vibe. And um, to where, when he was in college and serving in the youth ministry, people were really starting to engage. And they were starting to turn the lights down. And there was, like, a true focus and a passion. And the Spirit of God was starting to move um, in the church to where he said, like, two or three of them started lifting their hands. And this was, like, unheard of. So this was, like, new precedent unthought of in their church and it started spilling over into Sunday mornings which is kind of cool our old church kind of has this history of like our youth group started seeing stuff rise and it started spilling even into Sunday mornings but anyway um the worship pastor from Sunday even started would go like would start going to Wednesday nights to just experience it like there was just this really fresh move of God and um Josh said even like some of the church would come some of the young adults would come to Wednesday nights and it's like okay, well, this is for the youth group. This is not the space that everyone comes. So let's start addressing what happens on Sunday. And so there was like a lot of questions being thrown around. Like, do we have a contemporary service? And then do we have the traditional and all this stuff? So that was kind of what was going on. And there was a lot of, you could just feel this air of anxiousness and we're trying to please everyone. And yeah, so that's what was happening. And Josh met with Bobby, who was the youth pastor and he also helped with worship right before he was about to go in a staff meeting where they were gonna talk about this, right? And um Bobby's just basically like, pray for us. We want to honor the tradition. We want to honor everyone's hearts, but we really do feel like God's moving and that there's fresh life happening in our church. Now, the youth wasn't being threatened or anything, just to clarify, but um, they were just trying to figure out, like, for Sunday mornings. So Josh goes home because college life, oh, he just got done with classes. He's like, I'm going to go home and take a nap. What, at what times? <laughs> college. Um, <laughs> so he, he goes home and basically um, he goes and gets on his bed to take a nap. And he lay down, he's praying, and he asks God, like, what do you want, God, for our church and the church as a whole? And what needs to happen to break down these walls for us to be able to freely worship, even if that means breaking down these walls of tradition? And um, 
a further piece of context, Josh, Josh's dad had recently passed away, and everyone in the staff knew that Josh's dad had just died. He was close to the staff, had a lot of just influence in, in favor. And um, so a lot of them had even come to Josh's dad's funeral. So that's the context. Go into the dream. The, the dream was they were in a boardroom, and everyone was sitting at a boardroom table, and it was Bobby, who was the youth pastor, and then all the other staff um, at the church, and then Josh, and then Josh's dad was sitting at the boardroom table. And um, Josh kind of realizes his dad's there, but he's kind of out of focus, and he's like, okay. And the room was tense. There was a lot of passion, the issues of disrupting tradition, trying to please man. So Josh's dad is there in the dream, and all of a sudden he comes into focus in the dream, and Josh kind of has this thought, like, what are you doing here? And his legs are crossed. He's leaned back. He's totally relaxed. He's sitting at a table with a grin on his face. And then all of a sudden he gets a bigger smile on his face, and he leans in, and he speaks up, and he says, I tell you what you need to do. You just need to sing loud enough to wake the dead. <laughs> and the room fills with kind of, yeah, I know. The room fills with kind of an uncomfortable laugh because someone who is just, they all know is dead, offered this perspective. So they're like, you can feel people thinking, can you say that? You're dead. Um, can you make that kind of a joke? And then the dream ends. And Josh woke up and he told Bobby and Bobby said, that's the answer. We need to worship loud enough to wake the spiritually dead. So the church as a whole has come so far. We are singing loudly. We have a strong and healthy foundation and value for worship. Um, I'm just so happy with where we are. But lately I've been feeling my spirit wanting to pray, God, offend my mind. And it's a weird prayer, and it's kind of scary and risky, but it's like what my spirit is longing to pray. And I feel like there are times in history where God moves in such a way that you can either logically reason around it, you can pick it apart, you can straight up resist it, or you can just say, whatever you want to do, God, however you want to move, be God, have your way. And when I trust that his nature never changes, that he's always good, my spirit actually feels most alive praying these kind of prayers. I'm most excited to see how he wants to move. So again, we have come so, so far. We're living in times where we're singing loudly. We're believing we're singing to where we can wake the dead. We're worshiping in spirit and truth and passion. But I feel like he's about to move in a new way and take us places that we haven't been and he's looking for people who will move with him. And then in the Bible, you know, it says to truly gain life, you must lose it. And I keep thinking about how Josh's dad in the dream was dead. And as the dead person, he had the clearest perspective and he was filled with the most peace. He wasn't concerned about anything they were concerned about. And worship now, like in the Old Testament, we see that they brought sacrifices like actual animals. But worship now is that we are the living sacrifice. We come and say, my life for your glory. It really is like when we were writing those lines, that's one of the songs we've been working on. My life for your glory, to tell the whole story. It really is like an exchange. Like God have my whole life for you to have your full reward on the earth. And so I feel like this dream, as we move forward as a family, um, he just lovingly wants us to be aware that as human beings, we always have the potential to get caught up in, that's not my God. I've never seen him move that way. In my church, we've always worshiped like X. He's always moved like that. So now remember, like the Bible is perfect truth. Jesus is the perfect theology. Like who he says he is, is who he is. So like I'm saying, if it hear my heart. If it contradicts the word of God, it's not God. But what I'm saying is let's not be the people holding on to something when he's ready to sing a new song, when he's ready to sing in a new day, and when things may look more wild than we could have ever imagined. If he's coming in a, like, in a wave that no one can stand under, that tells me like he's going to come and like knock us off our feet. Like, so there's like, it's messy, right? Um, so I just feel like things may get super messy, and I feel like unsaved people are going to be flooding into our services, and I just feel like let's be ready in our hearts. Let's remember, oh, yeah, I already laid down my whole life. So whatever you want to do, God, whatever you want to do, God. I think he's going to push us out of our comfort zones. I think that's like here, and I think that's in our lives. And I think people will come before they're free. I think they're going to come in bondage, and that's going to look different. But the message of the gospel wasn't for us to come in and feel good about it every week. We're singing to wake the dead. The wave of his worship is about his presence to come and for people to be drawn and to be set free. 
His holiness, his righteousness is for those caught in lies, confusion, to walk in and see perfectly clearly, experience the bondage falling off their lives. He has come so that we may all reign in life. So another dream um, was Zaina had a dream recently. She was at a high-rise condo in Atlanta with windows. She could see into the city. Some of the windows were broken and people were living together, but it was like they didn't even know they were coexisting. Zaina says she could like feel everyone's problems, everyone's worries. And she saw things on fire in the city as well. Then the Lord said, start singing what they need. So she started saying, his name is Jesus. He said, no, start singing what they need. So she started singing, his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus, the prophecies fulfilled. Worthy is Jesus. That's like where a lot of that was written from. Gosh, that song's so good, Zaina. Um, so, and then she said it turned into a war cry. It wasn't just enough to sing. It didn't feel like, and she said it didn't feel like people were unaware of who Jesus was. It wasn't like they didn't know about him. It was more like a turn your eyes on the person of Jesus. Become like aware of him, not aware of him. You know what I mean? So I was thinking about this dream and I was like, everyone in the South knows the name of Jesus. We live in the Bible Belt and this is like to our advantage. This is a great foundation and a high ceiling that we get to build on. We don't have to start with like, let me tell you about the life of Jesus. Like, People know Jesus. Many people are rooted in sound biblical teaching and truth. And so I feel like he was just telling me, like, we don't have to expose the name of life, like, in the life of Jesus. We just have to sing loud enough to where people awaken to the reality of who the person is that holds the name of Jesus. His name's more than a story. It's power. It's life. The prophecies fulfilled. The mysteries revealed. His name is Jesus. It's reconciliation. We will see our city burn with fire of Jesus and love in their hearts. So I want to end with this. I've been rocked by this song lately. You've probably heard it. It's called Refiner by Maverick City Music. Besides the song just being so powerful, I feel like the song has a lot of prophetic significance. So first of all, the name Maverick, Maverick City Music, means nonconformist, unorthodox, independent-minded, free spirit. The writer of the song, his name's Chandler Moore, and he's a native of, yes, Charleston, South Carolina, and he's the son of Bishop Brian and Elder Jemetta C. Moore. Stephanie Gretzinger is featured on the song. You guys know her. She's red hair. She's been on Bethel Music's label for years and one of their main worship leaders out in Bethel Reading for the past several years. She's a young white woman. He is a young black man. Her head is red as fire, and it's matched by her fiery spirit. I feel like there's something significant about white woman, black man, west coast, east coast, different sounds, different styles being brought together on this song. And neither of them are from Atlanta, but they chose to get all their teams and come to Atlanta to record the song called Refiner. It was recorded in 1971 studios. Get this, the guy who runs the studio grew up with Josh in that Baptist church in small town LaGrange. He was one of the kids that was raising his hands in worship. He was one of the kids that was wanting to break the tradition, sing loud enough to wake the dead. Now he's the, order, uh, the owner of the recording studio where songs that are singing loudly are being recorded and released all over the world. It's bringing life all over the world. He's recorded the House Fires albums, you know, with Grace Midtown, Pat Barrett. Pat Barrett was in our first year of school ministry, just years of history of amazing worship here. Um, like a Lion, Daniel Bastian, our city, he's like been releasing these songs. And so people that aren't even from Atlanta come to sing the song. And this is the song that's released over Atlanta. So let me just read you the lyrics so you have some context when we listen to a bit of it. But verse one, if the altar's where you meet us, take me there take me there. If you're looking for an offering, it's right here. My life is here. I'll be a living sacrifice for you. You're a fire, the refiner. I want to be consumed. I want to be tried by fire, purified. You take whatever you desire. Lord, here's my life. If your glory wants to come in, let it fall. We want it all. Lord, your fire is consuming. Fill this place. Set it ablaze. I'll be a living sacrifice for you. You're a fire, the refiner. I want to be consumed. I want to be tried by fire, purified. Take whatever you desire. Lord, here's my life. Clean my hands. Purify my heart. I want to burn for you, only for you. Take my life as a sacrifice. I want to burn for you, only for you. So November 12th, 1864, 
was the date in history that Union General William T. Sherman ordered the business, the business district of Atlanta to be burned. It was the day in history that he said, we are, this is what we're going to do. Here's our plan. Let's like gather spoils in the city and let's burn it all so they have no more resources as we uh, you know, kind of split our armies back to different parts. So this song called Refiner that was recorded in our city premiered on November 12, 2019. It's 155 years later to the date that he ordered the burning of our city. And the song's about being consumed by the fire of God. And our city, I just know, was always meant to burn. Even what happened in the natural just points to what the, the spiritual temperature of our city is supposed to be at. It's where we're meant to live. We're supposed to be a city on fire for God, representing his kingdom well, a bright light, a city that all of the nation can look to. You know, and they say the world travels through our city every day in our airport. We have the biggest international airport. And when I think about that, the whole world travels through, through our city. I just think about all the earth is longing, all the earth is longing for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. They're looking for people who burn with passion, burning with truth, releasing a song of freedom. So let's cue that up. We are poised and positioned to be a part of seeing our city burn. So I just kind of want us to all engage with this as like, Whatever you want to do, God, you can stand, you can sit, whatever. I just want to watch this and uh, just believe and partner with like, yes, God, over our city, in my life, you're the refiner. Oh, be what you've always been, the fire, the refiner. altars where you meet us take me there take me there if what you need is just an offering it's right here my life is here and I'll be a living sacrifice for you you're refined the refiner I want to be I want to be tried by fire, purified, you take whatever you desire, yeah. Lord, here's my life, I want to be tried by fire, purified, you take whatever you I'm
Burn me 
Jesus. So one of my favorite children's books who sang the first song and the first several pages just talk about was it the birds who sang the first song? Was it the lion's roar? And it ends with all these guesses we've made are quite good, but they're wrong. It was God, our maker, who sang the first song. When God made the earth, he decided to sing and he wrote his song into everything. God's song says, you're good, you are wonderfully made and I'll never stop loving you all of your days. So I want you to sing with your life and your voice for I have created the earth to make a joyful noise. Bethel Atlanta, let's sing with our life and our voice. Let's sing with our life and our voice. Our life is a living song and it can sing whatever tune we choose for it to sing. Music changes the world. The songs of our life will change the world. Our corporate worship is releasing a sound that will change the world. So let's worship with the consequences in mind. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.